You are listening to the Next Best Picture podcast, and this is our review of Over the Moon. Mooncakes. Check. Bungee cords. Check. We have bungee. Check. Hey, we got company tonight, so don't be late. Fly away. Wish I had the wings to take me high away. Mama used to tell me stories of the moon goddess. She's on the moon, waiting for her one and only true love. (laughs) It's just a silly myth. It's not a silly myth. It's real. Right, Papa? Uh. It's you and me, Bungie. We're gonna prove she's real. I'm gonna be there soon. In my rocket to the moon. It's a long flight. Ew. Ah! 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 Hi, I'm Gobi. What's your name? I'm Feifei. I'm keeping the sweet moon pan. Dig it. Uh-huh. Where are they taking us? What in the world? Come on, she's expecting you! She's nothing like Mama said she'd be. I announce a competition! Anyone who helps me bring my one true love back will get their wish granted. If you do it first, I'll get you home. Oh, oh, can I help? No. Please? No. Please? No! Let me finish. Okay, okay, just stop making that noise. This mission's about to get bumpy. We're not gonna make it. Don't be such a chicken. Besties forever, uh, forever. Uh, 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 uh. Hi, I'm Kobe. Rad, I'm Chip. Double Rad. I wonder if I'll run into anyone in. All right, everybody, you were just listening to the trailer for Over the Moon, and the story is as follows. An adventurous girl builds a rocket ship to meet a mythical goddess on the moon. The film is starring Kathy Ang, Philip Asu, Ken Jeong, John Cho, Rufi Ann, Miles, Margaret Cho, and Sandra Oh. It is directed by Glenn Keane and John Cars, written by Audrey Wells. Here to join me for this podcast review, I have Nicole Ackman. Hi, everyone. Rebecca Daniel. Hey. And Daniel Howitt. Hello, hello. All right, everyone. So, animated feature contender this year for the Oscar from Netflix. Surprise, surprise. Netflix is in a category for the Oscar consideration this year. Uh, This is Over the Moon. And there was a considerable push for this movie uh, for this year coming from Netflix. Uh, the song itself, uh, they really, really uh, hyped this one up pretty early. Philip Asu's uh, presence definitely has gotten a lot of attention, especially because of the recent surge with Hamilton this year on Disney+. So what do we ultimately think of this movie overall? Where do we think it stands right now in the Oscar consideration for Best Animated Feature and potentially other categories as well? I'm going to toss it off first to Rebecca. Rebecca, what do you think of Over the Moon? 
Well, I was super impressed with the animation. It's very vivid. Um, I think it looks beautiful. And I love a musical, so I enjoyed hearing the songs in it. I think the Rocket to the Moon song is a standout. But there are a few others that are pretty good. Um, I thought that the movie was kind of geared more towards a younger audience. So I think that they'll enjoy it a little more than adults will. But I do think it has some important themes about like processing grief and still living your life after losing a loved one that everyone can kind of relate to. And I did like the way that it was written in that way. All right. All right. Let's hear now from Nicole. So I don't think I've cried in the first 10 minutes of an animated film since Up. Uh, And this film achieved that for me. I actually really enjoyed this film. I really like kind of how it folds in Chinese culture and Chinese mythology in a way that I think uh, will be particularly good for younger children who, you know, are, are maybe seeing some of that for the first time. I really love the music and the animation style. And I also think it is um, almost strange how timely it is in 2020 and that I think that for a lot of families are coping with loss. Um, and uh, I, you know, I think more than in a normal year, a lot of children are sort of learning about grief and how to process it. And I think that this film speaks to that really beautifully and meaningfully. So I'm, I'm actually a big fan of this one. Awesome. Okay. Daniel Howitt. Matt, I've, I've been with Next Best Picture for, for over three years now. I think, I think it's fair to say that I'm a pretty easy, uh, an easy grader when it comes to films. I'm, I, I typically grade pretty positive. Would you, would you agree with that assessment, Matt? I mean, yeah, I don't really ever see you being that harsh usually to movies. Well, here comes over the moon. Um, <laughs> I, I, uh, I was really excited for this and I, I love musicals. I love animation. Um, I, I was, I was fully ready to love this one. And, Honestly, I have no clue what movie everyone else watched. I thought this was just terrible. Um, this is the most DreamWorksy, non-DreamWorks animated movie we've had in years, and that is that is an insult for sure. Um, the story is weak, and it's a shame that it's weak because I agree. I think there's a lot of depth where they could uh, explore Chinese mythology. Obviously, there's some in there, but the story is very weak. Um, the 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 only poignant themes that they do touch on, like I, I agree, they, they touch on grief, and that's that is good. And there are things that they do that are that are nice here, but I feel like we've seen it better in many other movies, many many other animated films. Um, I just found this overly cartoony, silly. I think it's bright and and colorful enough to entertain entertain your little ones, but outside of that, there's just not a lot of value here. I thought the songs, every single one of the songs, was down like downright terrible. Um, there's not a single memorable song in here for me. Uh, so, yeah, I just there really was nothing, nothing good here, uh, in my opinion, other than it being bright and colorful and and silly and enough for entertaining little children. That's about all I had. All right. Well, it's fair to say that Daniel Howitt is not over the moon for <laughs> over the moon. Um, but <laughs> I am not as positive as Nicole and Rebecca. I'm maybe not as negative as Daniel Howitt. I am somewhat in the middle i've seen this movie twice now and the first time i saw it i was not watching it under good circumstances and to be honest looking back on it now my second viewing confirmed that it wasn't just the fact that i was a 
you know, watching it at home one day and I had other things going on and my attention was elsewhere. I really need to get back to theaters, basically, is kind of like what I'm saying right now. Mm. But the second viewing confirmed that the movie itself is not as good as everybody wants it to be, in my opinion, either. Yeah. And I think a large reason why that is, is because right from the get go, this felt to me so much like a Disney knockoff, even down to the Rocket to the Moon song, which on its own, when I heard it, I thought it sounded pretty good. Seeing it in context of the movie, it is such a clear I want, Mm -hmm. quote unquote, like Disney song that we see so many Disney films do in the past. It's a formula you know, that they're following here and the melody of the song and everything else. Like there's nothing about it that actually like stood out in terms of like, it's like, it's not how far I'll go from Moana, but it wants to be, you know? Mm -hmm. And so I found that also even the story of uh, her mother uh, dying and this quest to uh, go to the moon and, you know, processing this grief. Once again, to Daniel's point, we have seen this before. And so in that regard, the only thing that's really new about this feels like it is the uh, Chinese culture and mythology and how much that does influence the visual style of everything that this movie is doing. But outside of that, I really, really needed this story to just be not even so much stronger, but just a little bit more original. It definitely does lean into some cliches i think um for me the parts of it that kind of have been done before were worth redoing um i think particularly because it you know it it is very much an animated film that i think is geared at children and i don't think there's anything wrong with that per se i just think it is something that like you have to be aware of if that makes sense yeah no totally yeah but i also think that like not only does it touch on grief and that sort of thing, which obviously we've been, we've seen done a lot in anime films, but it also does uh, deal with blended families and um, a parent, you know, moving on and having another partner, which is something that obviously a lot of children experience. Um, Even if it's because parents are, you know, divorced instead of having, having lost a parent. But I think that's something that I haven't seen that often dealt with this um, overtly in an, animated film i feel like that typically is something that happens in a live action film so i thought that at least was sort of a a newer uh topic that the film addresses but i don't feel like they spend enough time with it in the uh first act of the movie it feels like it's set up and then right away we're building the rocket ship and we're leaving earth all of a sudden Mm -hmm. and i i actually do agree with you nicole that the opening of the movie when we're learning about the moon goddess uh chong he and you know the mother's uh relationship with fei fei and now uh after her passing her her dad having this new woman in his life and this um you know potential stepbrother over here uh uh chin it's that like i i was really into that stuff but then it's like the movie quickly does away with it to go on this adventure that felt very preposterous, silly, totally not grounded in any form of reality whatsoever. And I was really, really hoping that there would be some sort of a 
grounded explanation for it, but the movie actually presents it as, nope, this really happened. Yeah. They really went there, and this place exists, and I I just had a really, really hard time buying um, all of this mythical stuff with the creatures and just the film just lost me once we left earth yeah there's there's no sense of surprise in 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 uh the characters like it, it just felt like of course this is what happens of course we're gonna fly to the moon and encounter this you know acid trip of a movie you know it, it just nothing nothing was a surprise of her questioning wait a minute this is all real how is this happening you know i think they they missed a lot of opportunities i will give it to you nicole i, I definitely think the the blended family aspect i think you're right i that that is not something i i can point to another animated film so yeah um, so i'll definitely give it that for sure and also too you mentioned acid trips <laughs> oh my god not saying that one should do this while watching the movie or that i did do it not saying that <laughs> but but i'll just leave it at that but <laughs> there there are some visuals in this movie that oh boy if there is ever a reason to rewatch uh, Over the Moon, it's to be Over the Moon while watching Over the Moon, if you know what I mean. I feel like the space dogs would be too much. I feel like oh. that would be that would be a little scary. Yeah, yeah, agreed. I did not expect the moon goddess to well, I don't want to give spoilers. Never mind. I'm not No, no, go, that. please. Okay, I did not expect the moon goddess to be a pop star. Yeah. That was yes. a little bit of a surprise when she was giving like a Lady Gaga-esque performance. As someone who really, really loves EDM music <laughs> and has recently discovered the unbelievable talent that is Philippa Sue, I know I'm a couple years late on this. That number and that song to me was probably the highlight of the movie for me, but... If you don't like that type of music, I can fully understand why that scene would be very grating, trite, and just overall bland. Um, but I, I I love that kind of music. So for me, I was having kind of a blast just even cranking the bass up on my subwoofer and like listening to it. <laughs> I, I have a very specific pet peeve when it comes to animated movies. Uh, maybe it's because I have kids. So I, I, I watch a lot. But uh, I, I feel like every, every animated film outside of Pixar and Disney has to insert. It's like a it's like a law. You have to have a scene where your characters just break out into dance just just to make little kids laugh and dance along for no no plot purposes. And and of course they had that there in that exact scene. You, you got Bungie the the rabbit, you know, twerking. You know, it's just, it's yeah. just it's just dumb. Like, and I get it. I I totally understand. This is a movie for little kids, and that's fine. I think for little kids it's fine. It's just I think there are films that can uh, not just take cheap ploys just to get kids to laugh. Uh, I think Pixar is ob the obvious example of that. They don't they don't need to resort to cheap ploys like this. It's just that really gets on my nerves. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Hey, hey there. there! I'm Hannah. And I'm Audrey. 
We are a sister filmmaking duo and co-hosts of Sleepover Cinema, our show where we analyze the films that created the collective unconscious of the girls, gays, and theys of the late 90s and early 2000s. Princess Diaries, The Cheetah Girls, Aquamarine, Cinderella, the one starring Brandy. We haven't stopped thinking about these movies since we first saw them, and we want you to rewatch them and review them with us. Are these movies as bad as critics would have us believe? Do we even care if they are? We are always unpacking that very question on Sleepover Cinema. Check out Sleepover Cinema wherever you get your podcasts or at evergreenpodcast.com. See you soon. Honestly, I think for me, I sort of needed some of these like dumb humor moments throughout the movie because uh, I was so emotional for parts of it that, you know, do deal with her mother's passing and the grief and her uh, feeling sort of betrayed by her father, by him moving on. That like whenever there was like a dumb humorous moment, I was kind of like, oh, thank God. Okay, my emotions are getting a break. Um, So that kind of helped it work for me a little bit more but I that is not the kind of music that I'm into um Matt no offense but I actually really enjoyed it and I enjoyed that like her style of music was very different from the other styles that we see in the film I think that that's kind of a fun touch to it that like she would have a distinct style because uh this is it it does feel like the movie exists in two very different worlds Um, And I think it's meant to, but uh, I like that there's even like a musical difference in between when we're on the earth and and on the moon. So are you saying that you didn't like the ping pong sequence? Is that what you're telling me? No, I'm saying like I actually did enjoy it, um, even though that's like not typically my thing. Like I, I thought it was really fun. I actually didn't mind the ping pong sequence. That was a, as strange enough. That that sequence was actually really interesting. I I worried that during that sequence that we were getting a little bit too far into racial stereotyping potentially, but when you take a step back and you realize that this whole movie is covered in Chinese uh, culture, like throughout the entire movie, it didn't necessarily stand out as something that I would consider to be like necessarily like offensive. But it was like the one scene in the movie where I did question that for a brief second. Well, I mean, it's definitely it's definitely it's a Chinese co-production. So, I mean, uh, China was very involved in the production of the film. Not that that right. means it's perfect uh, in terms of representation or anything like that. But um, but yeah, that that's that's part of the reason I trusted, even though it's directed by two white guys, I I. I assumed because of the because of Pearl, uh, what is it? Pearl Productions, who's behind it. Uh, I, I assumed that the, the it was getting the mythology mostly correct, you know, really steeping us in in that world well. Because obviously, I don't I don't know that much about Chinese mythology, Chinese culture like that. So no, I, I, that was a bright spot in the film. Which is why, like you know, when you're seeing then these uh, big red flying lions and <laughs> I like the creatures in this movie were at times like awe-inspiring but then also from an animation standpoint i don't know about you guys like i thought that the lighting and the colors in this were phenomenal but there was something about like the textures and the details in the production design and sometimes also like you know in whether it's details of clothing or hair or on any of the creatures i really thought the animation was flat and kind of cheap looking at times 100 percent. yeah i 100 percent. it looked so cheap um everything was flat it had bright colors 
And that was the only thing that had that it had going for it. Everything else was just really flat, bland. Nothing was really interesting looking, just bright. Like Gobi uh, was, mm-hmm. I, I thought a great, like had great lighting design in every single scene that Gobi was in. But the animation of the character itself and the design of the character was just like a blob. Yep. You know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> A dog-shaped blob, kind of. Yeah. I think it was, like, so bright for me, I just didn't notice that it looked flat. It was just so visually bright, I was blinded by it all. I couldn't (laughs) notice that it was flat. Yeah. Yeah, I think that, you know, it's not, like, breathtaking uh, animation in some sequences. It is sometimes just colorful. But at the same time, like... I don't know. I found enough to appreciate, and I really did like the bits where they kind of wove in more of that uh, Chinese like style um, that you know you see in like even older Chinese art that they managed to like weave that in in places. I thought was really cool. So it didn't. I mean, I actually really like jived with the animation style of this movie. And then also too, this idea of like the mission of the movie, right? Getting the gift for. Uh, Philippa Sue's character, uh, Shang-Yi, like, what, what, what was that? I, I, cause even I was like, this is really the quest right now. This is what Fei-Fei has to do. Okay. And then when it's revealed exactly like what the gift is, like I was sort of let down by how basic it was. And then they even had to have, uh, the line, which I, I just, I rolled my eyes at so much. I was like, the real gift was you. And I was like, no. Mm -hmm. I was like, please, God, no. Mm -hmm. Yep. (laughs) Like, come on. I think for me, the fact that it was so like, oh, that's it. Almost seemed like the point that like, she goes up here expecting everything to be this big grand thing. And for this woman to have like, you know, all these answers for her. And then this woman is, you know, this this goddess is just kind of like, get me the gift. And she's like, oh, okay. Um, I don't know, that kind of worked for me a bit, I guess, just in that it felt like you were meant to feel a little bit let down by that being all. I mean, the only thing that makes up for it is the uh, brief reunion that she has at the uh, yeah. at the very end. That's the only thing that made it worth it. Oh, definitely. And and like that line is very cringy. Um, it's it's yeah. definitely not a perfect screenplay, which is unfortunate too, because I want to give credit to Audrey Wells, who sadly passed away uh, two years ago. But I just find myself in a situation where I can't. I just can't. Now, to how it's point for kids, perfectly fine, but for adults, there are better animated films out there. Yeah, and I think there are better animated films out there for kids. <laughs> to be perfectly frank, you know, I, I think uh, I think this will entertain kids once or twice. I think there's very little that that's going to hook them for next time. You know, uh, there there are very few songs, I in my opinion, that kids are going to you know want to listen to over and over again. Uh, you know, maybe I'm wrong, but but that's that's just my sense of watching it. Um, I, I just felt like there was nothing outside the bright colors that's really going to grab grab anybody um other than you know i that and that's the other thing is i really wish they'd gone further with with the chinese mythology i think i think the story didn't serve that well i think it just kind of uh made me feel like this this mythology was bland which i don't i don't assume that it is um so i just i just it didn't grab me at all my big thing is still that it was all apparently real yeah 
that that's the part of it that I like constantly kind of just know over. <laughs> I'm just in a constant state of no, like no. If this was like a dream that she was having, uh, okay, perfectly fine. But the fact that this movie is actually asking me to kind of buy this plausibility uh, is just it, it, it's too much for me. It's just too much. I guess I just like anytime I watch any animated film, I just totally suspend all my disbelief. Like, yeah, me too. Maybe it's because I was born into the generation where like we were just supposed to accept things like Beauty and the Beast, and I like went with it. <laughs> like, sure, talking furniture. So like, I have absolutely no issues with like totally buying into whatever an animated film is trying to tell me in a way that like I would maybe question it more in like a live action film. Yeah. Um, but but the thing I, but the thing I'm going to argue with that Nicole is that the beginning part of this movie before they actually like have her go up to space like is so grounded and mm-hmm. is dealing with very human um concepts of grief and emotion and relationships with her family and so on and so forth that it it, it the movie like tricked me you know, into like kind of thinking that we were going to be watching something that was taking on some more mature elements as other animated films have also done um, in the past lately. But instead, it it kind of just went off on its own mystical adventure that quite honestly, like I, I found myself like getting it was really, really hard for me to stay invested. Like once they actually then got to the moon, because at that point now you have a whole set, new set of rules. You have a whole new uh, mythology that you're like, like like trying to explain to the audience in terms of this world. And I don't think that the movie did a really good enough job of establishing what the rules were necessarily once she was up there. Yeah. Yeah, That's fair. Like I was saying, or I don't want to repeat myself too much, but that that's the thing is like I, I don't mind. I absolutely suspend my disbelief with animated films, but the, exactly like Matt said, the, the beginning of this movie just set it, set it up very realistically and, and, and very emotionally. I think that, that was one of the highlights of the film, but then it just there's no surprise to anyone. It's just, you know, Fei-Fei just ex- just goes up and says, yep, yep, this is exactly what I expected to find up here. You know, um, there's no shock of, oh, wow, it's really here. There's no, it's just, yep, I'm I'm getting, you know, attacked by space tigers. And that, you know, that's, it, it was just really strange blend of realism in the beginning versus this, uh, you know, crazy world up in the moon. It's like, it's like that scene in Ad Astra where all of a sudden they wanted to have a moon pirate action scene yes, in the middle yes. of this space drama. And it's like, this feels out of place and weird. Yep. <laughs> That's what the entire middle section of over the moon feels like. <laughs> but to be clear, I really do like the third act of this movie too, when it kind of goes back to the elements in the first act that I like. And then when she goes back to uh, earth at the end and she's reunited with her family and they're all eating food at the table. Like I, I like that. That was great. But once again, there is a very, very large middle section here. <laughs> very large. I also, one of my favorite things about it, too, is actually the sequence where she's, like, studying and trying to build her rocket. And um, this is one of the few films that I actually feel like does a good job of showing, like, a girl who is interested in or good at STEM. Because I think typically whenever films, especially children's films, try to be like, oh, this little girl is, like, good at science or good at engineering it feels so hokey and put mm-hmm. on and yes this is a direct attack on nutcracker and the four realms yeah. um 
Whereas in this one, it felt like natural to me. Like it didn't feel like they were trying to like flashlights and be like, look, a girl who likes STEM. It just felt like, oh, like, and then she just taught herself, you know, what she needed to know to build a rocket. Um, and I really appreciated that part of it. And that, I don't know, for me, like, um, that kind of overshadowed the the actual plausibility of her being able to build a rocket to get to the moon. Um, was I appreciate that, like, we saw her trying to teach herself all of the stuff to be able to build it. I also appreciated that she didn't actually build a rocket that got her to the moon. Like I, for for yeah. a split second, I was really worried about that because her rocket was taken off, and I was like, "Really? That's gonna that's gonna get <laughs> yeah. there?" And then no, she failed, and she you know they just kind of. Uh, I agree. I like that moment too a lot. Yeah. yeah, that was really good. Did anybody else like have like a memorable song in the movie or anything like that that they wanted to point out? Absolutely not. <laughs> I actually I know that we like touched on it earlier but um I really do like the rocket to the moon song and I also want to say in addition to the the actual like songs in this I really loved the score by Stephen Price um I like found myself actively being like oh I really like this score bit and I don't always like notice scores to be quite honest but I really liked this one I really liked the score by Stephen Price yeah I thought there were times where it did sound like very uh, angelic and quite beautiful at times. And it did lend itself well to the mythology that the movie was putting out there and gave it sort of that mystical quality. I think as a standalone listen, I think the score is actually uh, quite a good listen. I've already listened to the soundtrack on its own. And uh, I don't think that this will bring him back to the Oscars by any means. But it's a score that I still enjoyed on its own regardless. Now... The uh, other thing I want to get to before we uh, just get to uh, final thoughts here is there are a number of pretty big names like in this cast. I know we already mentioned like Philip Asu, uh, but we also have uh, John Cho. You have Sandra Oh. Uh, you know, was there anyone here amongst the voice cast, like anyone that you would give like an MVP like title to or anything like that for their voice performance here? Um, I really, really, really love Ruthie Ann Miles uh, as her mother. Um, obviously she's not in it for that long, but I thought that, you know, she was really fantastic. And also like, obviously I know her from, uh, her work on Broadway and stuff, but I thought that she did a really good job of like building the affection that the mother has, um, for Feifei and also for the father character in not a lot of time. Um, so Aside from, like, the more obvious MVPs, I really enjoyed her bits. Let me give a, a very backhanded compliment to, to Ken Jeong here. Um, as soon as as soon as soon he, as Gobi entered the scene, and I realized it was Ken Jeong, I was like, oh, boy, now we're going to get even more silly, even more dumb. It's going to be crazy broad voice. But actually, I thought he was uh, very reserved, um, especially just compared to... The, the characters we normally see Ken Jong play, whether live action or 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 elsewhere or otherwise, um, so I thought I thought he did a nice sort of reserved performance, especially for for the character that he played. I agree, actually. Um, Ken Jong was my MVP as well, and I too had similar feelings, Dan. Of oh boy, here we go. Mm-hmm. But that character actually uh, had quite a few revealing and surprising moments that yeah. Um, yeah. I, I quite enjoyed. I enjoyed uh, Philippa Sue as the moon goddess. Um, yeah. I mean, you know, obviously she's known for Hamilton and everything, but 
I think she did really good voiceover work as well in this. And she had some good songs. That can yeah. be debated here. I know some <laughs> don't feel the same way. But <laughs> I'm so sorry. Oh, it's okay. I'm just really, really happy to see that Philippa Sue is actually having like her first breakout year from Hamilton. Uh, because Hamilton is obviously a show from like 2015, 2016. And she's had all these film roles that have been like kind of waiting and waiting and waiting. And now in 2020, we got the one and only Ivan. We've got her in Broken Hearts Gallery. We got her here in Over the Moon. And it's like, finally, like the world is getting some Philippa Sue on screen, you know? Yeah. So that's pretty awesome. All right. Uh, any final thoughts on Over the Moon before we get to its Oscar potential? I feel like we've kind of hit everything. I just want to say again that like, obviously they couldn't have known this whenever they were working on it, but I do think the fact that it came out in 2020, a year when I think more families are dealing with loss and grief than maybe is normal, um, is kind of a blessing for it. And that I, I can really see it sort of helping, uh, younger children in particular sort of grapple with some of those ideas. I think that that's actually a really good, it's really good observation there. One that I didn't think about at all until you just mentioned it. And I think it's it's partially because, like, I've lost two family members this year. Um, and so in watching it, it did kind of feel like it had a little bit of, like, a healing effect on me. Um, and so I, I hope that it can do that for, you know, some other families as well. Yeah. No, that's a good point. Uh, Nicole, what grade would you give it? I am actually an 8 out of 10. It's... Definitely my favorite of the animated films that have been released thus far this year. It's actually one of my favorites of the past probably five years um, in terms of animated films. I am a really big fan of this movie. All right. Daniel? Uh, uh, you asked in the grade? Uh, yeah, and any final thoughts if you have them, but I kind of figured you didn't. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, only final thoughts would be, you know, Netflix obviously came came real close to winning animated feature last year with, with Claws and... Um, that movie is just infinitely better than this film, both from an animation standpoint and a story standpoint. Um, I think that's part of that's that's part of what's contributing to the disappointment here. Um, I know there are different studios that produce the film, but um, uh, you know Netflix has just given us better animated contenders just as recently as last year, and uh, I just don't think this measures up. And so uh, my grade that I'll give it, I actually give it a four. I'm I'm just uh, I thought this was terribly bland um, and a movie that I will forget very soon. All right, Rebecca. I think this is an entertaining movie that's good for families and for younger kids. I think they'll really like it. I found the animation to be really very visually beautiful. And I thought there were some good songs in it, especially if you like musicals. Um, I'm going to give it a six out of ten. All right. I am going to give it a five out of ten. And it's funny because... I think when I first saw it, I was at a seven second viewing. I went down to a six and even just like thinking about it afterwards, I was at a five uh, because what to Dan's point, it's it's not staying with me like I'm already forgetting. I'm forgetting so many parts of it, actually, that, you know, and I have these notes written here even uh, for this podcast review, and I find myself struggling to like kind of tie them all together like i have angry birds written down over here because you know yes. some of the designs yeah. of the birds look like angry birds at one point that. It was the motorcycle birds yeah yeah what the, the biker that? chicks yeah 
that okay i'm sorry that is the funniest freaking joke to me so i mean there's just like a number of things in this where i and like i said i'm not advocating for this necessarily but if you want to watch this movie under certain hallucinogenics you know knock yourself out you know i say uh, i don't recommend that around the children i think children should watch this movie i think it's a good movie for the kids and my rating for the kids is a little bit higher probably in that seven territory once again but for adults, I think that you can skip this one. Oscar potential for Over the Moon. I mean, let's face it. Animated is so weak this year. It's going to get an animated feature nomination by default, right? Yeah, I would think so. I think it has to. Yeah. It's probably looking at being my least favorite film nominated for an Oscar this year. Really? Jesus. Even if Sonic gets in? <laughs> All right. right. Fair. Fair. <laughs> now... What do we think about its chances for uh, Rockets in the Moon for original song? It's it's, it's hard to, to answer that question. I, I feel like song is a little bit weak and amorphous. It's, it's a little hard to get a grip on what's going to get nominated there. I, I certainly think it's got a shot. Um, obviously, Netflix is pushing it. And I mean, I know they have their hands more than full this year, but with them behind it, I think it certainly stands a shot at get, getting nominated, much to my chagrin. Yeah, I, I would say it's definitely got a strong shot at it. I agree that, like, I kind of feel like right now, especially, I'm kind of stabbing in the dark at what is going to get in for Best Original Song. But it's definitely in my, like, ten songs that I keep cycling into different order for mm. what will actually make it. I'm in a similar boat. I have it in my five, but the category is so fluid and so many things can happen that... I wouldn't be surprised if it got left off. Maybe just for this, you know, lack of originality. But at the same time, I think that the fact that it is a kind of familiar sounding song to other nominees before it, I think it could end up in here just as a check the box. But I don't I don't sense a passion behind it for a win. Mm-hmm. It wouldn't surprise me if it misses. It also wouldn't surprise me if it gets in. Like, yeah, mm-hmm. I'm kind of in that place with it. Right. Yeah. And I remember like when I, on my first viewing of it, I remember just being so surprised by uh, Stephen Price's score from the movie that I thought to myself, oh, well, like, you know, let me throw him in my 10 really quick and let's just like fiddle around with that idea. But then original score also started to get a little crowded and I immediately mm-hmm. bumped him out. Yeah. So it, it was a fun idea. But, you know, once I started to see some more contenders and started to hear some more uh, scores and there are still others that we haven't heard yet. You know, so I think that category is way too uh, stacked to keep him in there right now. Uh, yeah, I agreed. Nicole, Rebecca, w- w- what do you guys think since, you know, you guys are the bigger defenders here? Yeah, I really like the score and I like. I mean, I, it's got a better shot than some other scores this year, but I'm not thinking it will actually get in. I don't think it's going to get into score. I think. That's going to be more crowded of a category. Yeah. All right. Well, that'll do it here for our discussion about Over the Moon here on the Next Best Picture podcast. Daniel Howitt, where can they find you on the internet? If you want to hear me bashing Over the Moon some more, you can find me on Twitter at HowittDK. Nicole? <laughs> well, I guess I feel like I have to counter that with if you want to hear me saying good <laughs> things about Over the Moon, if you want to come tell me that you liked it too and I'm not alone, um, I'm over on Twitter at Nicole Ackman 16 Rebecca? You can find me on Twitter at RebeccaDaniel95. And you can find me at Next Best Picture. 
Thank you so much, everyone, for listening to our review of Over the Moon here on the Next Best Picture podcast. You can subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, Player FM, Acast, CastBox, also on Spotify. Be sure to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and let us know what you think of the show. We really appreciate your feedback and your support, which you can lend on over at Patreon. For $1 minimum a month, you will get some exclusive podcast content from us. We are proud to be part of the Evergreen Podcast Network here, and we thank you all so much for listening. As always, we shall see you all next time. I remember, like, I'm looking at the two rabbits at the very end, and I just turned to my roommate, and I was like, look, Bugs and Lola. <laughs> wow. I think it's it's a shame that this is not uh, made by a, a studio that can make bank selling those stuffed rabbits. I know. I, I was thinking I think the same thing. Yeah. Hello, and welcome to Novel Conversations, a podcast about the world's greatest stories. I'm your host, Frank Lavallo, and for each episode of Novel Conversations, I talk to two readers about one book, and together, we summarize the story for you. We introduce you to the characters, we tell you what happens to them, and we read from the book along the way. So if you love hearing a good story, you're in the right place. Our ninth season is coming this fall. Tune in to hear from some of the all-time great authors, Charles Dickens, Jules Verne, F. Scott Fitzgerald, and more. Subscribe to Novel Conversations wherever you listen to podcasts.